Greetings ladies and gentlemen, football fans all across the world. This is the inaugural episode of All In with Atlas United. I am your host, football extraordinaire Nick Maitland, aka King Roots the Roots King. And joining me for this special intro episode is none other than the big boss long at Atlas, Coach Craig. I'll let him do his own introduction. Coach Craig. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Craig Stewart, and I am 22 years old, and I'm currently a student at the University of the West Indies, and I'm the president of Atlas United. Atlas United is a new club. It caught my interest. It caught a lot of people's interest. I see you all uh, making a lot of campaigns on social media, bringing out your kit, etc., you're doing a lot more than I've seen a lot of these established clubs in local football doing. So I must commend you for that first. Now, this word Atlas, when you, you know, read about Atlas in Greek mythology, Atlas is the man that had the world on his shoulders. Atlas is one of those things that tells you, gives you all the maps of the world, etc. So I know it was some titanic reason <laughs> why you all chose Atlas as the name. So tell me about that first of all. Well, as you say, a lot of the time when people ask me about the name, um, they would refer to the Greek mythology creature. But mm -hmm. for me, the name was brought out with the books of the charts and the maps around the world. Because the idea for me right. is that the club should be a vehicle for our members to go into different avenues of life. So for example, mm -hmm. when we expand the club we will look for ways for younger players to go into um, getting scholarships we look to give some of the members like for example our marketing manager just finished his degree at ue so we try to mm -hmm. give him the on the job experience to be able to then go to a um prospective employer to say, well, this is what I have in my portfolio doing X, Y, Z. And that what that was what would set them apart from the regular person. So the name came about from trying to find a way for everybody to go on their own path. Mm -hmm. And you're using a, a really great vehicle in the sport of football because, as you know, football is the greatest sport. Not not being biased or anything, <laughs> football is the greatest sport in the world. It is worldwide. Everyone across the world plays it. And it is one great vehicle to take you all over the world. So I'm really loving the reasoning behind the name and using football as that vehicle. Now, you mentioned you're a marketing manager, but I know there's a whole setup behind the scenes. Of course, you have your coaches. Uh, so who would be the coaches alongside you? Uh, my coaches would be uh, Ronaldo, or people will know him as Angie. We have Shaquem. We have Adrian, or our skills. People will know him as skills. We have mm -hmm. Drew, and we have Deshaun. So we have a coaching staff of six, including myself. Okay, that sounds very good. So any, any coaching uh, courses your coaches have done so far or they're, they're still very green on the job? No, that's where that goes back to my previous answer about the club being a vehicle. A lot of them are mm -hmm. now starting to get into coaching. So whereas 
um, a lot of clubs here may not give young people the opportunity to go into coaching or try their hand at it because the reality is mm -hmm. a lot of clubs here are more focused on the winning aspect, the bragging aspect of it. But what I try to do is to get people that I know are interested in football and that are, I would say, articulate enough to get across their points because that's really what coaching is. So Indeed, yes. Right. So they would do their courses when they want to, when the opportunity arises. But as it wasn't a requirement for me. Hmm. That's very noble. Another noble excuse. <laughs> Not excuse, but reasoning hmm. behind, you know, trying to put people on the map, trying to give people an opportunity. And, and that's what we're all about in football. And that's what we should be all about in life as well. Now, when you look at the playing, the playing staff now of the club, how big is the squad? Um, you have some experienced players, a lot of novice players. How how does the complexion of the players look? Um, we have a squad of twenty. So uh, I would say, if I, I actually looked at the average age a couple of days ago, and it's actually twenty four and a half around there. So we have. I would mm -hmm. say about four players that are over 30, but the majority are between 20 to 25. So it was a, again, this was another concerted effort to find young players. And a lot of them are, I wouldn't say new to football, but they wouldn't have been in the competitive scene as much as other players. But we're trying to find minds that would be interested in learning football to a different standard but also humble enough to know that we don't know everything and we're learning together to get to our goal. So that was basically our whole recruitment plan when we started. Mm -hmm. So I know that there's a lot that goes into establishing a football club, running a football club, getting players to come to training, etc. So, so far, I know it's been just a short journey so far, but what are these, some of the challenges that you have had to face and overcome as a coach and a president of a young football club? <laughs> That's a long answer. Um... <laughs> are you ready for it? Um, the hardest thing, I would say at the beginning, um, trying to maintain interest. With everybody. This is with people inside the club, outside the club. Our challenge was that because we started our recruitment process, we started our launch way ahead of the normal um, season time in Barbados because we started in August, training in August. The competition time is not till January, February, going into March. So we had to find a way to maintain their interest from August of 2019, all the way now until, well, even beyond now, but the first idea was till January 2020. So the goal was to try to use that time as well as, yeah, as well we could to be able to maintain the interest, maintain the intensity, maintain the hunger for the success of the club. That was... I would say one of the biggest challenges because I had to find a way each and every time we went to training to find a way to pique their interest because we had that much time to wait. 
at some point, anytime players will say, man, we just want to play a game. We tear training. We tear right. training. And also a challenge we had was we were moving training rounds a lot because that's a problem here. So, uh, tell me. Yeah. So what the spin that I put on it for them was we are going to be playing away games. So use this as an opportunity to experience different grounds. Know how you can play here versus how you can play there. And just use it as whenever we start competitive games, we know that we can play on any surface, no matter how big it is, small it is, whatever. We have the experience to play on it. And that was what I tried to preach the most to my coaching staff, or I tried to preach the most to the admin. We have to have players and club members, but mostly the players that are adaptable to different situations. And I would say that has been a success so far. Mm, very good. And I never thought of it that way, giving the players more experience playing at different grounds across the island. It really helps with that away day uh, mentality. And I think that's a really good um, aspect to help them to learn. I know that there's a lot of, um, I guess, obstacles that go into starting the football club. But over this, this period, this journey, what has been the pleasant surprises that you have experienced, whether internally in the football club, outside how, how the football club is viewed? What are some of the pleasant surprises? Um, the thing that surprised me the most I would say, is the support that we've gained so far from the community. We, from the time we did our kit launch, in fact, even before that, um, the support that we had from people has been beyond my expectations. I know that our marketing goals were to reach out to people between the ages of 18 to 25. That was our direct target audience. But in looking at the analytics from the social medias, from feedback from older people, we realize that it is something that people want to get invested into. So that for sure has been the biggest surprise. Not that people are interested, but to the degree that they are. And that's what gives me, as a president, the incentive to continue to push, continue to find new ideas. So this podcast is an example of one. We realize that we can't mm. only reach um, folks on social media. Everybody is not going to be on social media. Sometimes people might be in a car, um, on the bus, on the van, and they might want something to listen to. Why can't we find our own vehicle? Again, same analogy. Why can't we find our own way to reach out to every uh, pair of eyes, pair of ears that we can? We should not limit ourselves to only the social media, especially considering how much um, support we would have gained from people. So my goal is to just continue to push and gain as much as we can, as much traction as we can to influence people or influence other clubs into trying to do the same. So I would say that is a crazy degree of which um, the support has come up. Mm-hmm. And I think you you really are trailblazers for the local game. As, as I said earlier, a lot of these clubs that we have seen, even in the Premier League, they do not employ the same methods 
that you all are, are going after so aggressively, uh, engaging fans, selling selling kits. I mean, in Barbados, we've been asking clubs to try to facilitate their own bank accounts by selling replica kits, by selling merchandise to fans. And I think Atlas is well ahead of many of these established clubs in terms of involving the fans and involving the people outside of the club and who are still in football to be a part of your club. So I really commend you guys on how you've been able to manage that. Wait, but that, um, that, 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 you wait, said, hold on, but that mm-hmm. I have a, a follow-up to that. That is, I, yeah. that, that can actually fall under my biggest surprise as well. Because mm. when we started the market research for starting a football club, because I really had no idea how to do it. My only experience in football in Barbados came uh, when I started coaching in May of 2019. So I had a three-month gap between starting coaching and starting the club. Right? Wow. So in that three months, I had to find, find out, really, the scope of how Barbados football works. I had to find out the ins and outs, all of these things. And the thing that surprised me the most was how much of an untapped market football is in Barbados. Yes. We can all agree that football is a popular pastime here, but most, if not all of the football clubs in Barbados have missed a trick to me um, in the potential to commercialize their clubs. As you say, we have gone above and beyond in terms of selling replica uh, jerseys, in terms of doing fine t-shirts, having different little souvenirs and stuff. This is something that we made a conscious effort to do to engage our fans. So the BFA continues to say that they want to create more interest in local football, but the clubs don't put in the effort to do that. There's only so much the BFA can do. I think that they do do their part in terms of the promotion of the Premier League. They could do more in terms of promoting the lower divisions, but in terms of trying to put the Premier League on the map, I think they're doing their part. But to me, this is a lot more about clubs in Barbados and their attitude and their culture. Because another thing I realized is that because there's such a general freedom of movement uh, among players and officials in Barbados, you will have a hard time nailing a culture to one club. So you cannot go to fans then and try to promote a culture, try to promote a fan base. When you do not have a set uh, culture or something that you could sell them on. You following me? Yeah, of right. course, of course. So, uh, eh, and boy, yeah. eh. because we, as you said, there's no real loyalty. Um, a player could play for a club today, and and next two months, next two weeks, he could be playing for another club. So there's no real continuity. So a lot of things start and stop and start and stop. But uh, as I said, that's where I commend you all because it seems very concerted from you guys. And very detail oriented as well. You guys know what you want to do with the people that you want to do it with, and that is, I think, the number one rule if you want to be successful at whatever you're doing. Right, because we we have a set culture, we have a club ethos that we 
all stand by. From the time the club was started, everybody was saying, I will say, <laughs> about a 25-page document of what this club stands for. So there is no ifs and buts about if they know from now. So <laughs> I could be the leader, and five years from now, I may not be anymore. And somebody else, whoever else comes after me, has to stand with the laws of what Atlas United settled to do. That is written into stone, that's written into law, that it is what it is. And that is something that clubs need to stand by. I would like at some point, I know that these are amateur players and you can't really limit the movement, but at least let it be a year, a full year, a full season, two years even. Because you need to allow coaches the opportunity to work with players and know what they're going to work with year by year. So I can look at my 25-man squad right now and I can say that they will all be here next year. There's no question about that. But that is because I told them, if we want to build something that is stable, we cannot have pieces dropping out, having pieces going elsewhere, and then they have to try to maneuver a new personality into the group. It can't work. So if we have the same goal, then everybody has to pull their weight. If at that point in time you realize this is not what I want to do anymore, then fine. That's a different conversation to be had. But in terms of just saying, well, I want to go and play for XYZ. Or I'm not playing at this club, so I want to go to the other club. That's not going to work. Because you have a order to succeed anywhere. You have to be able to trust yourself and trust that you have the ability to overcome that challenge. So if you are chosen to play for Atlas, that's because I believe and everybody else in the admin position believes that you have the ability to push yourself and to be a better player and person. So trust yourself. If after two years you still didn't get it done, then so be it. But trust yourself. Mm-hmm. So that that's my <laughs> that's my sales pitch. <laughs> I, I would say that's your philosophy more so than a, than a sales well, pitch. That. And yeah, so you outlined um, how Atlas plans to stay on top, how Atlas plans to develop themselves over the years in the current footballing culture. So let's let's now zero back in on you yourself as the leader and as I, I can say the patriarch of Atlas United. How how do you stay on top of things football related, sports wise, management wise? How do you continue to improve your own skills so that you can improve the skills of your players and your your backroom staff? All right. So I would say or I will pride myself really on being an avid reader, an avid listener. Mm-hmm. Um I would say that I go to my way to see any bit of information about anything that I am passionate about. So I read books um, on leadership, um, books like Leading by Sir Alex Ferguson, um, Quiet Leadership. I was no, <laughs> I, I was no going to ask if you read that one. Yeah, right? See, Quiet Leadership by Carlo Ancelotti. I've read, it doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be football related books, just leadership books in general. But, and there's a key point that I want anybody that's looking into being a leader, this is what I want you to take away from this. The biggest teacher 
is and will always continue to be experience. Let me say that again. I agree with that. The biggest <laughs> teacher is and will always continue to be experience. These books, more than lately, are written from the author's point of view, or from their own experiences, or from secondhand storytelling. But until you can, well, until you're in the position, sorry, to have to lead, you will never know what you're good at. So I had to learn how to manage 45 different personalities, different backgrounds, different views of life, different um, intentions for the club. I had to recognize that, for example, I couldn't pitch an idea to Angie as a VP. The same way that I would pitch it to Joy as a general manager. They are two different people. They take information differently. They see things differently. So I have to look and see how can I see my idea. Turn that into something that is digestible for them. And put it in a way where they want to follow my idea and do it to the best of their abilities. For me, that is what um, a leader is. How can you take information, disseminate that information, and then put it into a digestible form for each pair of ears and each pair of eyes? So that was my, well, that's something I learned for sure. The other thing, <laughs> you see, these things have been on my mind, so just rattling them off. Yeah, that's no problem, man. You go ahead. You got all the time in the world, brother. The other thing that I learned is that as a leader, you have to be able to create goals and targets. Let me preface that. You have to be able to create clear goals and targets. So at the start of each year, I have to be able to set clear and measurable goals for my club. So... If I start in August, I say we want to have a 25-man squad. We want to be out to Division Three. Then that is something that is clear and that everybody can look at on a piece of paper and say, and say, sorry, did we do this or did we not? If we did not, then why not? Then if we did, and we worldly overachieve that expectation, then how do we maintain that level to then go to maintain it? and then go above it again. That is something that <laughs> I'm still learning to do, not necessarily setting the clear challenges, but how do we go back and evaluate what we could have done better? Because in the moment, I mean, look at it and say, well, I did the best that I could. But maybe at the end of this year, because the club year runs from, um, from July to August, July one year to the August following, um, if in August I look at the club and I say, well, we didn't do as well as we could have, or we did not reach our target in XYZ, then how can I have a meeting with my staff and say, well, guys, we need to do this better, or we need to make that change, we need to do this. This person has to put more weight, whatever the case may be. So that's something that we have to learn. And the final, final thing, and this is the most important thing to me, and something that I have been doing all my life, but something that I realize is even more important in leadership. You have to be able to create personal relationship and bonds with everybody around you 
to get the best results from them. If we're talking mm-hmm. to you, Nick, and they're telling you that I want you to do X, Y, Z, if me and you don't have any conversation before that, you are less likely to do it the way how I want it to done, want it to be done, sorry, or to the best of your ability, right? But if I come to mm-hmm. you and they say, how are you? What's your family situation like? Everything good at work, everything good at school, whatever the case may be. Then you feel like, hey, I'm more invested in you as a person than just seeing you as a worker, right? So you have more incentive to follow what I want to do and to believe in my project if you know that I believe in you. Mm-hmm. So if you're not creating bonds with people, if you do not, I'm not saying that you got to be buddy-buddy and talk to the person all the time, but at least make the person feel like a person and not an employee, not I am above you, not that. You below me, you can't say anything to me, whatever the case may be. And that's something that we made, well, yeah, we made a big effort to do with the club. Um, I encourage the players to have conversations with me. I don't go to training and try to be a big overlord and try to be a big boss and nobody can speak to me or whatever. You will see me joining in with the fellas, talking to the fellas, because at the end of the day, I am 22. A lot of them, as I told you, are within my age range. It would be stupid of me to think that I could come there and try to be an overlord and try to tell them what to do just like that. If we have the basis of a friendship, then I could still be a leader and show you the way as a friend. I don't have to be a big boss. I don't have to say you doing things my way or no way. I don't believe in that style of leadership. It's for me to be able to say to my players or to my staff, this is what I believe, but what do you think? What can you do to help me to either polish it, improve it, or tell me that's too far-fetched, but nobody has told me that yet. So, But, <laughs> <laughs> but how can we, as a group, try to push this um this goal and that's what I have strived to do from day one and they will say that it's all a learning experience but it's getting better man you sound I don't want to get too ahead of myself but you sound like you're ready for professional football management <laughs> a lot of these things that you've been saying are things that I've heard being said about the guys who are at the top right now, the same Sir Alex Ferguson, Jose Mourinho, Carlo Ancelotti, Jurgen Klopp, they, they, the same thing has been said about those guys. They are not just the boss on the um, training pitch or the football pitch, even though they are, you know, their manager, they're looked on in a respectful way. They are still the friends or the companions of their players, of their staff. And that is what makes the football club tick. And that is what makes the football club function. So I'm very pleased to hear that coming from you as a young coach who just started his own club after being a coach for three months. And (laughs) you're already mentally, you're already at a stage where a lot of people fail to be even years and years as a coach. And following on to that, um, I I know you read um, Sir Alex Ferguson's book, Carlo's book, but your, your managerial or coaching idols who 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 would those guys be those guys you look up to um 
I wouldn't say that I look up to them per se. No, 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 I don't look up to emulators. I think the answer to my question, well, to your question is really I look for specific things in every quote. So I cannot name one or two particular coaches that would influence me, right? Because if I close my mind to some, I might lose a lesson in that area. So, for example, there are some coaches that will have an, um, a reputation of being um, stuck up or stubborn or whatever the case may be. I would be stupid not to look at them and see what not to do rather than only looking at the examples that I care about and saying, well, this is what you can do, can do, can do. Sometimes the biggest lessons in, in life is what you should not do. And use Very other true. people's failures as an example for what you should not do. So I couldn't name one or two, even three, because I try to look at every um, example of coaches, every example, even in the football side, every example of a playing style. Because if, for example, and we will get into this in our coaching discussion, but if, um, Atlas aims to play a possession game, then they will be stupid to only focus on possession teams. I have to look and see how would teams look to counter our game, and then I will be able to tailor our game to beat that. But if right. at any point in time I only just look at possession teams and how do they do this and do that, then they miss a key part because they maybe come up against a team that defends very well. Then my players. And I have no idea how to counter it because we never experienced it. So that is something that I try to be cognizant of all this time. Like, try to be as open-minded as possible. Yes, I may not agree with every coach, every idea. I may think that that's the most stupid thing ever here. <laughs> but that does not mean there's not a lesson to learn in it. So it, it is about taking information. And then you turn out what you get, what you want from it, and then all the extra you just throw away. And that's something that people in general, not only in football, have to learn to do. There's so much information around that we just constantly taking all day, over, over, over. We got a fear of missing out on a lot of things. But we have to be able to take this information and say, this is what I want from it. And then live your life based on the information that you got. If you just keep trying to uh, use every experience and every bit of information that you will come across every day, you will go mad. And it's not even applicable to you because everybody's experience is not yours. So what speaks to you and what speaks to me from coaches is what will stay in my mind. But I'm still aware of what happens other ways. And that's what. Well, that's very good over mm. And me listening to you, and I'm sure all the listeners who've been listening are quite confident in the future of Atlas United, quite confident in the hands um, that are running this club because you certainly have a good brain on your head and you certainly have a great grasp of the game and what is required for success, not just locally in Barbados, but 
on a wider scale. So I'm very, very excited to see what happens with Atlas. Of course, there's no football going on currently, unfortunately or unfortunately. But I'm very uh, excited to see the future of Atlas United and how far you guys can go, especially in your first season and beyond. Before, though, I want to know these the, the people at Atlas United, because it's not just you. There's, you, you call a whole set of um, backroom staff, manager, marketing manager, general manager. So just give the people and myself a little run through of the behind the scenes staff who people may not see or hear from too regularly. All right. So they start from the top. The vice president is Ronaldo Inchi, as people will know him. Uh, the general mm-hmm. manager is Joy. Um, the marketing manager. We have a marketing department. I hope this sounds fancy, but we have a marketing <laughs> department um, of two. So we have Shane Esvit, who actually is a player on the team. So you see, we're trying to give people the opportunity to live both sides of the coin. Um, mm-hmm. We have Janine Kelman, who is the head of marketing. So she. Um, it's her and Shane in that team. Um, we have a creative manager. That's Asha. Um, who else? <laughs> oh, um, Adrian Skills. He is the manager, but he's also a coach. And then we have Shaquem, Deshaun, Drew. Um, then we have... Ooh, many to come. We have 12 brand ambassadors. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> So that that can take. A These would be the call. ladies who were who were taking photos in the kits, etc. Right. So those would be the ones that you would have seen in the video shoots, the photo shoots, whatever the case may be. So uh, hmm. there are twelve of them. Uh-huh. All right. Personal question from me though. Uh-huh. Um, I see you got my brethren there, Alex Branch. <laughs> he is the big captain, big goalkeeper. Uh-huh. Now. Alex is my good brethren. He's a good boy. But who made him the captain and is he captain material? That is my my personal choice. <laughs> <laughs> so I will stand up to my um, decision. Yeah, Alex, tell me about that decision though. Alex, without question, is uh, was the number one choice for me as a captain. I've known Alex from primary school. From the time I was at least seven years old. So I've seen Alex's development from being a little boy to growing up to the man that he is now. And if it's one thing you can never fall Alex for is his attitude and his good intentions for everything that he does. Anything that Alex is involved in, you know that he's going to put his best foot forward to do. And you know that he will be at the forefront of leadership. So if, for example there's something that I want to get across to the team, but I don't feel like the admin staff is best to to send it. Then I will go to Alex and say, Alex, well, these are your teammates. These are your friends, more importantly. You find a way to get this information over to them in a way that they will understand and digest it. And that goes back to what I said about leadership. Alex knows how to talk to people. Even better than I do. I've seen it. <laughs> right? So I am there as a leader, yes. But I'm also able to look at people around me and see what I can take from them. And he's actually the one that I learned 
um, the stuff about how to talk to people. I've seen him talk to people. I've seen how he would bring things across to people, how he would reason with people. And that is something that I took into my uh, personality, into my leadership style. So there's nobody better for me as the captain. Even the vice captain, Jesse. Jesse is a mm-hmm. lot more quiet than Alex. But Jesse is also a player that the squad respects. So there's two different ways that you could lead. You could lead by being vocal, by being supportive, and you could lead by being and setting the right example. So that would be Jesse. Those two as choices were easy. But that's not to say that they're mm-hmm. the only two leaders. We have the majority of the squad, I could say, try to be leaders and try to set the right example. So it would be unfair of me to just name a couple. So I will give them all their juice and say they try to do the best that they can do. Right? So mm-hmm. I don't know about some of the listeners might have been at the game against Benfica. Let me give a little story. Um, in the game, our um, winger, Nick, he got into the little altercation with one of the players on Benfica, where you could see that that player was actively getting into his head. And it just shut down his game altogether. He had, he just lost it, right? I was able to go to him after the game the same night. We would have that game would have finished after 10, going up to 11 o'clock. And we would have been able to go and talk after 12 when we got home. And I told him, you are a leader of this team. You are the best player on this team. I don't think anybody would be offended with me saying that he is the best, right? <laughs> so now, while you might not be the, the loudest or the most vocal player on the team, you still have to set the example as a leader. People look up to you because you set the standard. So it's to his credit that after that, it never happened again. He came and he did everything he was supposed to do. He is a shining light and a shining example along with everybody else. But that is just a little story, a little idea of how sometimes a leader might not always remember that he's a leader. And it's okay to go out from what you intend to do. But the most important thing is that you were able to weed it right back in and go back on the straight and narrow. So <laughs> this was a long winded answer from Alex. <laughs> but I have to give the rest of my boys their props. So yeah, again in that. Spoken spoken like a true manager. <laughs> and um I really rate the decision of Alex as the captain as well. As I said, he's a good brethren of mine. I've known him for a while as well. And that's what you really need in the captain, somebody vocal, somebody that everybody can recognize who they are and recognize the authority that they hold. And as you said, I like the answer as well. There's some people who lead by, you know, speaking and getting people on their side. And then there's some others who lead by uh, their actions. So it's good that you have that good balance to lead the playing squad. And I expect nothing but success for Atlas in the future and going on if this is the, the precedent that we are setting as a football club. So I'm very pleased to hear about that. And I hope that um, the altercations and all the players getting into other players' head, that comes to a minimum 
as the squad grows closer together and understands their collective role as as a football team. Um, the future of Atlas to me looks very bright, but I want to hear from you now. What are some of the immediate goals? Well, whenever football start, about you know these things going right now. The immediate goals of Atlas, um, of course, I know promotion from Division Three has to be up there, but what are some of the other um, goals that you want to establish? A women's arm, a youth arm. What What are some of the goals that you have for Atlas? Um, promotion, promotion, uh, promotion <laughs> again. <laughs> well, simply put, we just want to get into the higher division. And then we could talk from there. We could see what's going on. So, again, that's clear and measurable goals. We know that, ideally, this is what we want to do. That's not to say that I don't have other ideas of where the club should go, right? But in our first year, our first and only objective is to get up. When we become a second division club, that comes with more, um, a higher reputation, sorry. You come with more fans and let me take this opportunity to thank everybody that comes out to our friend games everybody that supports us on the social medias um that was a purchase a replica shirt so will go to school and they will see people in the shirts i will see them in town everything so i thank you for that but the idea for me is that we push the club as far as it can go i want a youth arm i want a female team the goal is endless for me. I want Atlas to be the most recognizable football brand. Brand. No, this is a brand and not club. Brand mm-hmm. in Barbados. I think that we are well on the way to doing that. We might not be. No, this is where we have to differentiate between successful in terms of uh, trophies or in terms of accomplishments and a brand where, again, if I can go into town and see people wearing my shirts or wearing them in casual wear, going to cruise and see them in it, that, for me, is more of an accomplishment than the winning aspect of it. Of course, we are a football club first and foremost, and we want to win games. Fine. But we also want Atlas to be a lifestyle. Right? So if we can marry the two, and I think, again, that we're on the way to marrying the two, then that would be a successful um, end for me. So the goal, promotion, promotion, promotion. And then from there, the youth arm, female team, and then branching off into different areas, which will be announced in due course. But, yeah. <laughs> well, Coach Stewart, Craig Stewart, the big man Atlas United. That sounds very good for me. I think that you all are on your way to much success, much crucial branding. I would like a replica shirt when you get a chance as well. So put in my orders there, sir. <laughs> but um, you guys, you guys are destined for great things, and I'm pleased that we have people in our local football culture who believe in the game and who believe in taking the game to the next level and not just taking what is given to them from whether the association or from the culture in general and that y'all are really charting a path for yourselves. And me personally, I'm, I'm pleased to be a part of uh, this journey. I have a few friends in the team as well and 
I think that everyone associated with Atlas is excited about the future. And I'm sure the listeners are excited about the future episodes we will have of All In with Atlas United. And I just believe in the project and it's just now for the fans to come on and believe as well. So thank you so much, Craig Stewart, for your time here. And I guess we'll meet again next time where we get a little little closer to your coaches and maybe some of your staff as well, yeah? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. No problem. Take care, buddy. All right, you too. Yeah, man.